0: The Financial Sense Lifetime Income Program. Here's your host, Jim Poplava. There are a number of things that need to be done in case a spouse or loved one passes away, whether that's notifying various government agencies like Social Security or reaching out to life insurance companies, banks, credit card companies, and others. In case you haven't thought of these things or would like to know the various steps that should be considered, including some of the numbers that you'll need to call, we're going to provide that information for you today based on a survivor checklist that we've developed over the many decades in assisting clients with this process. Jim, if you wouldn't mind, let's start with some of the few key items right at the top of this list. Yeah, this is something that we put
1: together for our clients. It's called a survivor checklist. And we all think about estate planning. You think about wills, trust, durable powers of attorney. We never think about, okay, we've done that, but what happens when you lose a spouse? And if you think about it, you know, it's a time of grieving. It's a time of loss. And a lot of times just trying to be focused and trying to deal with the issues you have to do, funeral, burial plots, all those kind of things, you just you know, this isn't the kind of thing that, you know, on a Friday night you talk about with your spouse. So what we did is put together a survivor checklist. And I want to share that with you because this is important. Let's deal with the first thing that you're going to have to do. And that is request uh, death certificates. Because if you have IRAs in your spouse's name, a parent's name, and they're going to beneficiaries, you have accounts that have to be changed, you have everything in a trust, and as a result for estate planning, you're going to split it into two trusts. Well, what you're going to need is a legal document called the death certificate, which basically you're going to turn in to your advisor so they can use and help you make these titling changes on the assets that you own. And we recommend that you get a copy, at least 10 And it's really important when you're talking with, let's say, the funeral director that's going to get the uh, certificates, make sure the name is spelled correctly. And the reason I'm bringing this up, we have a case, uh, lost a client. She was 95 years old. We're dealing with the heirs. And Chris, they misspelled on the death certificate her last name and her first name. So, Uh, it was probably a spelling mistake or whatever it was, but let's put it this way. If the name isn't correct, you're not going to be able to make these changes. So step number one is get 10 copies of death certificates because your brokerage firm, your bank, any uh, person dealing with asset property timely is going to need that to make any changes. The second thing, and this applies to people that are still working, is contact the employer uh, regarding, let's say, group insurance or any other kind of benefits that your spouse may have gotten from work. Uh, so that's number two. Number three is you want to contact insurance companies. This deals with life insurance. If uh, your uh, the deceased spouse or parent had life insurance policies, auto insurance, you need to Let the insurance company know, hey, uh, we don't need two uh, people insured on driving a car, uh, health policies, etc. So these are all done with priorities that need to be done. Another thing that is really important here, and that is, for example, if uh, let's say a parent or a spouse was a government uh, retiree or employee, need to contact the civil service personal management office. And that number is one 767 6738 And then also, if a, a parent or spouse was in the military, contact Defense Finance and Accounting Service, which is 1-800-321-1080. And one more, and that is Contact Veterans Administration. So there might be some type of benefits that you have to do, but you, you have to notify that this person no longer is living. And so there's going to be changes, whether it's policies, whether it's insurance benefits, whether it's property titling, whether it's things with the government, the military. You're going to have to have proof of death And that's where the death certificate comes in. But you're going to have to contact all these people because obviously things are going to have to change. Yeah,
0: and we just gave out a number of different phone numbers and different places that you can call. So it's hard to keep track of all these phone numbers, especially if you're driving right now or in the middle of something. So just in case, we want you to understand that we have this survivor checklist on financialsense.com where this interview is located. So if you want to access it there, we'll have all the numbers and then the 16 different things that uh, you need to do as far as the checklist goes when a spouse or a loved one passes away. And also, if you are unable to find this for any reason, you can also just go to financialsense.com and hit contact us and let us know that you want us to send you this and we can happily just email it back to you right from our contact us page.
1: Yeah. And once again, these are all done with priorities. And the first thing you're going to need, and you're, you're probably going to get this talking to the funeral director about getting the death certificates. And please take your time, fill it out. So the name of the deceased person is spelled correctly. I can't emphasize how important that is because a lot of institutions, banks, brokerage firms, even real estate companies, you know, they, they get real specific. And if the name on the death certificate doesn't match exactly the person that passed away, uh, nothing's going to be done. So really take the time uh, filling out the form at the funeral director's office. The name is properly listed and spelled, and you're going to avoid a lot of headaches. Now, I want to talk about something that this deals with planning. The next organization you need to contact is the Department of Social Security. Now, let me deal with Uh, husband and wife. Let's just say the husband passed away. What you are going to do as a surviving spouse, the bad news is you're going to lose one social security check. Now, what will happen is you have the option of a surviving spouse of either keeping your existing social security, if it's larger, or your deceased spouse, your husband's social security which in many cases is larger so you get the option of which one you're going to keep however you need to contact the department of social security you need to give them the social security number of your deceased spouse let's say in this case the husband you're also going to need to give them your social security number and you you want to get this done because if they keep sending checks to your deceased spouse, you know, you're going to have to pay that back. So this is something you want to do immediately and contact them. And then, you know, talk to your advisor. You know, in most cases, you're probably going to, if the husband was the main breadwinner or had the larger salary, uh, you may want to take his social security and then you'll drop your own. But bear in mind what happens here, and this is why we always talk about in planning, why you want to have a plan B? Because you are going to lose uh, one Social Security check. And let me give you an example. Let's just say that your husband's Social Security was $30,000 a year. As a spouse, let's say you got half of that at $15,000. So obviously, if your husband passed away, you would contact Social Security and you would take your husband's Social Security, that would then become yours, but you forego your Social Security. In the example I just gave, that would be $15,000 you would lose, you'd pick up your husband's. And let me just tell you in today's market, this is going to impact your lifestyle because if you lose $15,000 in today's marketplace, you would need to have a half a million dollars in a portfolio to replace what you just lost with giving up your Social Security. So the Social Security Department allows you to take make the difference of whichever check is larger. This also applies to, for some of you that may have been married, and if you were married for 10 years, uh, you are eligible for your ex-husband's Social Security, even though he may not be taking it. So this is another thing that you're going to have to apply for because you're eligible for it. I want to move on to the next item, which is very important, and that is checking items in safety deposit boxes. It would be nice if uh, both your names are on the safety deposit box so you have access to it. Sometimes some banks may require death certificates. The other thing that you're going to need to do because you're going to be dealing with filing maybe a 706 return, you, you still have to file income tax returns. And I'm going to come back to this, uh, circle back to this in a minute. But what happens when a spouse passes away, you can still file as a married couple for two years. But I want to deal with an issue. In addition to losing your Social Security, after two-year period, you're going to go into a single-payer tax bracket and let me just give you an example of what that might mean. If you're married, you don't hit the 22% tax bracket until your income is 80,250. However, if you are single, you hit the 22% bracket at 40,125. Same thing with the 24% bracket, it's 171,000 if you're married, 85,000 if single. So you could have actually less income and move into a higher tax bracket. So you're going to want to get together with your advisor and talk about, okay, I've got less income. I need to make up for the loss of my Social Security. What can I do? But also I may be put in a higher tax bracket. And so that's why you really want to contact your advisor, your financial planner, and talk to him or her, about what is going to change in your life, how your income will be changing in your tax bracket. So that's something. Another thing you're going to want to do, maybe uh, you both had credit cards, so you want to contact the banks and the credit card companies uh, and tell them about the account. So maybe you had a joint tenancy account with your spouse. You want to make sure that's in your name. And then also uh, what. Uh, the probate laws are in your state, because now let's say if you put the bank account in your name and then something happens to you, if it's not in a name of trust, you need to check and see if, and particularly depending on the amount, that you don't want to have something that's going to go through probate and hold the estate up for a couple of years to get settled. So contacting bank brokerage companies changing the title another thing uh, for example let's say husband had an IRA you had an IRA and you're the beneficiary so you're going to want to change your husband's IRA over into your IRA another issue that uh, will also be important is if you're the surviving spouse and now the IRA is in your name who your beneficiaries are typically it's going to be the kids And you need to let the kids know that they changed the distribution laws regarding taking required distributions from an IRA. It used to be 70 and a half. That was changed to age 72, but they also changed something else. Your heirs now have to take their portion of the IRA. They have to take it all out within 10 years. Uh, They could take it out every single year for 10 years to take it out completely. They could wait to the 10th year or maybe wait to a year when they're in the lower tax bracket. But you got 10 years to take it out now versus before it used to be based on your life expectancy. So if you had a child age 40 that was inheriting your IRA, they would have a life expectancy of somewhere around 45 years. They would take out one forty-fifth. That's no longer the case. It all has to be taken out over a 10-year period of time. The other thing that you're going to want to do, and this is why, you know, hopefully you have an advisor you work with, but you want to locate your balance sheet and hopefully you, you do a lot of this in advance when you're both living because what you don't want to be doing is scrambling, and we run across this occasionally, where you, let's say you had, the deceased spouse had five or six different bank accounts, had different brokerage accounts, different IRAs. You know, this is why you want to keep things simple because it's going to be much easier on your heirs and it's going to be much easier on your surviving spouse. So locating assets where they're located, making a list of those assets and make sure now they're properly titled. Now, if you are the sole survivor and your assets are larger than to escape probate. You're going to want to talk to your estate planning attorney and advisor, uh, maybe setting up a trust. And then now you have to really think through. Usually husband and wife, depending on how you've taken title to property, community property, trust, or joint tenants, you're you're going to want to think about okay, who's the successor trustee to you now, the surviving spouse? this is something you're going to want to talk to your attorney and also talk to, you know, maybe your advisor about this because now you are by yourself. Who takes care of you should you become sick, ill or eventually pass on. Also, think about uh, durable medical powers. Uh, we just had a case where husband passed away and it was decided to make one daughter the trustee who was more savvy financially to help mom. But another daughter has durable medical powers because that daughter lived in the same town as mom. So if mom got sick, had to go into retirement home, had to go into the hospital, there's somebody there on the spot that could be at the hospital, the doctor's office to make those medical decisions. So this is, you're going to have to rethink how everything changes now that you're by yourself. Another thing to do is If you were, let's say your your husband or spouse was still working in a business with a partnership, you might want to look at buy-sell agreements that existed at the time. Usually they're funded with insurance. And the other thing, in addition to contacting your advisor, you're going to want to contact the attorney you were dealing with. Maybe the person that set up your wills, your trust, or uh, did your estate plan. And finally, you're going to want to contact your CPA. Now, there's a number of things, depending on which state you lived in. What happens under current law, if you live in a community property state and a spouse passes away, all the capital gains are forgiven at death. So you could like, let's say you bought Apple stock at 100 bucks it's now $200, bucks. let us just say for an example. There's a $100 capital gain. At death, capital gains are forgiven. They're stepped up to market value, and you have two dates. You have the date of death or nine months later. We have a situation right now with a particular client that has some very high growth-oriented stocks that we've been in. So the client's spouse passed away, we are going to wait and determine nine months from the date of death and look at what these stocks are valued at nine months. Because if they're higher, that means there's just going to be less tax down the road. So this is another thing that you need to meet with your advisor on because these are things that you have to deal with. And what we we try to do here with the survivor checklist is, you know, you got so many things coming at you. You're grieving over the loss of a Or let's say a loved one, a parent. And the last thing from your mind, you know, what do I do first? What are priorities? And that's why we've assembled this survivor checklist so you can go right down it. It just tells you what you need to do, who you need to contact, the things that need to be done. So hopefully it takes some of the stress out and you could maybe focus and concentrate on the things that you need to do about grieving, about getting. Maybe some counseling or help, Uh, you know, uh, getting in touch with your children, these kind of things, but you're going to have to deal with this. And hopefully over a period of time, this will be less stressful. But Chris, this is something we deal with all the time. And so we came up with this a number of years ago because we work in the retirement market and you work with retired people. They're generally older. And as they get older, you deal with these issues. And hopefully this will take some of the stress out and make it much easier on you
0: and your loved ones. Well, one more time, we are going to have this made available on our website, financialsense.com, where this interview is located. However, if you are having trouble locating the survivor checklist and the 16 different steps that everyone needs to take, then again, you can go to our homepage, you can hit contact us, and you can just email us to the website and we'll respond back with an attachment. To the survivor checklist, and lastly, I do want to point out that, of course, we at Financial Sense Wealth Management have a large list of advisors that are experts in both financial planning, estate planning, and a lot of the other things that we discuss. So, if you want to go through the particulars of your situation and how we can assist you in this process, or even thinking about this process in the future, we can definitely do so. And all you have to do is give us a call at eight eight eight. That's triple 888- eight. 486-3939.
1: Three, nine, three, nine. And I, I want to put this out too. If there's a particular topic you would like to see us cover on lifetime planning, just submit it to the website. Either if you know if we don't have the expertise in that area, we'll find an expert and get them on the program. So we'd love to hear your input and hopefully through listening to Lifetime Planning, get you thinking about getting on the right track financially. In the meantime, on behalf of Chris Sheridan and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us in on this week's program. Until we talk again, we hope you have a pleasant week.
0: financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in financial sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Please be advised that you invest at your own risk.